How about uh, Galatians chapter 5? Today I'm going to just label this uh, Tombstones Revisited. <laughs> we were working through this little section of Galatians 5, that internal battlefield that is very, very real. As we go through here, there is a struggle between walking by the flesh and walking by the Spirit. And we know what God's Word has called us to do. It's, it's very clear. Verse 16 says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. And then much of the verse around on the beginning part and at the end, especially where we are in 19 through 21, we are seeing the evidences of walking by the flesh. And I liken that to a graveyard, walking through a cemetery. And there we find uh, tombstones with words etched on them that uh, say things like immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Each one of these leads to death. It's a path that leads to death. We could spend a lot of time just focusing on these things. We, we must, of necessity, look at this list. We must walk through this, this cemetery. We must look at these tombstones. If you find this section to be challenging, spend a month in the book of Proverbs. Soak on those words as you read in especially the first four or five chapters of the book of Proverbs. Again, I was, I've been doing that personally and underscoring all the verses I speak of. Walk in the way, the way, the way, the way, the way. It is everywhere in those first five or six chapters. And I would uh, commend you to uh, spend a little time in that to supplement what we see here in this passage. But... Um, Last week we started to walk through this uh, section of the cemetery. I'm going to find my glasses. I put them here. There they are. And uh, put in a little detail to these uh, tombstones of verse 19 and into verse number 20. We don't see any evidence that God treats sin casually. It's a serious thing. Uh, and we've talked in detail about that. But I emphasize this, and I'll emphasize it every time, just so we get our, our understanding right here. The pathway of sin is not the avenue for the believer. It's not where we belong. It's not where we're to walk. We know that the desire of the flesh is intensely uh, intense. I'm trying to think of a better word for that. It is intense. The call, the the pull of that flesh to fulfill its desire. But we are called to walk with the Spirit. And we will not fulfill the desire of the flesh. Now the characteristics here um, are simply these things that God has listed that are offensive to Him. And we should take that seriously. Uh, we ought to know what they are. So the evidence of the flesh is here in verse 19 through 21. I told you a couple of times already, Spurgeon called this the black catalog. And uh, I thought that was a good term for it. 
four classes of sins are represented here. The sins of lust, we talked about last week in verse 19. The sins of idolatry and witchcraft, we're going to go there this morning. The sins of temper, verse number 20 has that. And the sins of appetite, in verse number 21. And not one of these are meant to look attractive. It's intentional. There is no attractiveness here. But this is our challenge. This is our challenge. The world has made these sins attractive. Every single one of them. They have found some way to to use entertainment, more than anything else perhaps, but entertainment to take the edge off of these things, to make them a little more palatable to us, a little more appealing to us. They, they have made them appear harmless. Harmless. Now, I'll say this for example as we get into our passage today, but as we look at the words sorcery and witchcraft, I don't know what the first thoughts on your mind might be when you think of that. If it's something dark, something sinister, something evil, it might be one of those thoughts. Usually it's not the Wizard of Oz. The Lord of the Rings. Usually it's not something like the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe in the Narnia series. You know, I grew up watching Casper the Ghost. He was the most friendly ghost on earth. How could you find anything evil about a little friendly ghost? But see, that's just my point I want to start with. Is that the entertainment industry, whether it's in books or movies or or whatnot, has taken that edge off of all this for us. And and we've welcomed so much of that into our our thinking and our life. And, and well, those are our little friends. Those are people that, you know, imaginary as they are, they seem so innocent, don't they? Now, obviously, even this is a very difficult topic to come to a place of application uh, I suppose we can all go and hide in caves somewhere if we could find them. Um, that's really not our answer to tell the truth. I think we just need to learn to be careful. Very careful, especially we need to know what it means to walk by the Spirit. Because this is the main thing that we've been on here. To walk by the Spirit is to obey Him. And to walk by the Spirit is to trust His leadership. And to walk by the Spirit is to be in fellowship with Him. And and to seek His direction and to know His work. And to have confidence in what He is doing. The aim of these messages, especially right here, is not to give you a list of what you should check off and say, I've accomplished that, I've accomplished that, I've accomplished that. Those things we can do in the flesh. And we do it very well. We are list makers and we're accomplishing things and then we get proud of ourselves because we don't do that or we do this and we tend to give ourselves gold stars at time because we've done it better than somebody else. That too is walking by the flesh. What we need to do is trust the Holy Spirit. And His job is to conform us to the path of righteousness. That's what He does. Now, sometimes he comforts us to get us on that path right. Sometimes he convicts us to get us on that path right. But whatever he does, he's there to conform us to that path. So the questions that came to my mind were these. Are we willing 
to be pliable in his hand. I have to ask that even before we go into this. Are we willing to be pliable in his hands? Are we willing to walk into his workshop? He is going to work, by the way. But I don't think that walking by the Spirit is supposed to be done reluctantly. When you read these words in verse 16, do you read this? I say, be drugged by the Spirit. I say, be forced by the Spirit. You know, he is capable of both of those, by the way. Sometimes he does drag us along, doesn't he? Almost like he's got us by the head of the hair and we're just being pulled and, and uh, yanked that way. Sometimes there is force in that. He is quite capable of both of those. But here's a picture of a walk. And I love walks. A walk is a daily thing. It's a continuous thing. It's a progressive thing. For every step is to move you further along. It could be pictured as something relaxed, something even enjoyable. And here you are with the Holy Spirit as your guide through this life on this planet. He is with you, and He's walking with you. Too often, I think, believers can go by days or by weeks or, or, wow, some even years, without ever acknowledging their dependence on the Holy Spirit. He tells us to walk with Him. So let us not be this way where, where we view a passage as a list of rules to see this is the way it looks and I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to do that. This is the evidence of the flesh in operation. I hope it's not operating in us. But as we look at this, I'm going to bring you to a point here this morning that will reflect that walk with the Spirit. We've talked about the sins of the lust in verse 19. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, these three tombstones uh, represent sexual sins. Immorality, anything in the form of adultery, fornication, incest, uh, those words are, are before us, that's what it says. Tombstone number two was impurity. That's in uncleanness. Generally that which is done in secret. Not known to others, but fully known to God. Fleshly thoughts and fleshly words and fleshly acts. That's impurity. And tombstone number three we saw last week, sensuality. The outward expression of, of this kind of sin uh, that excites the passions. There's lewdness and songs and gestures, and our world is so full of that. Uh, there's unlawful gratification. There's, it's all contrary to modesty. There's an absence of restraint. And those ugly tombstones are in this one section of our cemetery. They're ugly, really, and yet they're deadly because the wages of sin is death. And so we've seen that section. We move to the second section here, and I, I encouraged you last week, and I hope you, you took me up on this encouragement, to, to write out a verse. It was from Philippians chapter 4, 
And it was verse number 8. And I think we all need to set that verse somewhere before our minds. If not, memorize it and put it in our hearts so it's there with us. But if you would write on a card, perhaps, a 3 by 5 card would be very handy. Or maybe you need it bigger than that. (laughs) Maybe you need poster size somewhere in the house. Uh, But it says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. That's a good place to start in dwelling on these things. Put that where you're going to see it often. Put it where you need it the most. We need the reminder because the flesh is strong, yes, but the Lord is stronger. And that's what this passage is showing us. We've got the Holy Spirit with us, who's God. And He wants to walk with us. So set your mind on His Word. That's what we're called to do. Let's move to the second cluster of tombstones. These ones are are what I call the creepy tombstones. If we could have the the, uh, sinful ones, we could have the creepy ones too. Matter of fact, one one commentator uh, uh, by the name of Lenski... He calls this the godless group. The godless group. They involve two stones, basically, and that sums up the whole of them all. Uh, in verse number nine, or 20, it starts with the words idolatry and sorcery. Idolatry and sorcery. Now, idolatry, we would think, is an Old Testament problem. Well, yes, it is a problem in the Old Testament. There was a lot of idolatry in the Old Testament. Uh, we read that story after story. And really the, the big downfall of the tribe of Israel and then the tribe of Judah was the issue of idolatry. Scripture says an awful lot about idolatry. And this is my simple definition I start with when I try to define this for you. Any sort of service or worship of anything or anyone who is not God. Any sort of service or worship of anything or anyone who is not God. Now let me take you to Romans chapter 1 for a minute. Romans chapter number 1. This is a powerful chapter here. But it says in verse number 23, these words. He's speaking about those who are fools. And he says, They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. There's a picture of idolatry for you. You see, they set up images in the shape and the form of... of, uh, creation, rather than the creator, if you will. There's birds, and there's men, and there's four-footed animals, and there's crawling creatures. Now, jump down to verse 25, and notice these words. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worship and serve the creature, rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Same thing, it's saying. But notice the key that, that goes in with these two words. They exchanged. It said it twice. They exchanged what? The 
they, the first was they exchanged the, the glory of the incorruptible God. And the second, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, for an idol. They turned their attention from the uh, magnificent holy God who created them to His creation and set their heart on that to worship. The commandments were given in the book of Exodus among the very first, if you recall, you remember memorizing those as kids, right? Among the first were, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Remember those words? Well, you know, those are so antiquated now, aren't they? And they're on dusty, dusty monuments here and there. They're on plaques on the wall, maybe. Uh, oh, that's Sunday school stuff. That's the way we generally treat that. Because idolatry doesn't seem to be an issue. We say, well, we don't have an image in here. We don't, we don't bow down to an image here. In other countries they do, especially. And don't be surprised if there is images just like that, just down in the next town somewhere. It still goes on. Idolatry can include those things we call heathen sacrifice. It does involve, by the way, the worship of demons. And it's a frightful thing. But when John was writing his epistles, First John, and we're writing about 90 A.D. or so, after you think everything should be pretty much settled in the church by then, the very last words he says in his book is, Children, guard yourself from idols. And I thought, why would he have to say that to a believer? <laughs> why? Why does this passage in Galatians have to be written to believers? Should we not assume that it's still a problem? It's still among those things that God has found offensive. It's still something that believers have to be warned about. Because here are some of the other verses that go with it. And, and when I say we can easily have the same problem of what we're looking at here, in the sense that we can give our very best to everything but God. Can we not? We can pour our lives into things instead of God. You want a test verse? Try this one. Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And in Matthew 6 verse 24, Jesus made it very clear, No one can serve two masters. You can't do it. For either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Now, if we set that with God as one and anything else on the other side, and if we love that thing on the other side, what did that verse just tell us about our thoughts of God? The words hate was in there, and the word despise was in there. And is that true? That's a frightful picture, isn't it? Jesus said it. You can't serve two masters. 
I mentioned Linsky a little bit ago, the commentator that calls this the godless group. This was his little paragraph that went with it. Idolatry was a constant danger to Gentile Christians. We're going to go right into the day of Paul right here. This was due not only to the fact that superstition drew them toward the old false gods, but often drew them still more were the festivities of the whole Roman world, the celebrations and the massive customs that centered in idol worship in one way or another. Pagan skeptics scoffed at the gods, but participated in the festivities and yielded to the customs. And when I read that, I said, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, uh-oh. How often are we very much able to mark the things that we say, these are the deeds of the flesh, and then turn around and participate in the very same things in the name of tradition, in the name of holiday. Ouch. Hmm. You know what? We need a closer walk and talk with the Holy Spirit right there, don't we? In case you're wondering where such things begin. I will tell you, they usually start when we cease to be thankful to God for what He has done. When we lose our gratitude. See, gratitude is something that that comes from a heart that knows you're dependent on someone else. Especially when we're talking about the Lord. He gives us everything. We're completely dependent on Him, aren't we? Yes? No? Yes? Mostly? Sort of. We're dependent on Him. And those who understand it the most are the most grateful. They come to Him for everything because they know He's the provider and they come to Him. But this also was in Romans, and I didn't read it while I was there, but I'll read it to you now. Romans one twenty one. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. What leads to the darkness? What leads to the speculation? What leads to the path that walks with the flesh? For a believer, I believe it starts with an ungrateful heart. He has turned his attention away from God. And this is the path it leads to. You see, idolatry is not merely an Old Testament tombstone, folks. Anything or any time... Something takes the place of the Lord in our heart and in our life. We've set up that stone. We've set up that stone. That's a serious thing. Now let's go to the next one while I've got you in, in shock maybe. The creepiest, I think, of all of the stones is that which is called sorcery. Witchcraft is another term for it. Again, we may not think that this is the issue for us. It is highly promoted in the world that we live in, by the way. It's glamorized in video games. Made very popular in movies, I know. When I read this word, and I've been through this passage before, and I know exactly what happens here, but I... I was reviewing, refreshing my thoughts again, looking through commentaries, and every one of them does the same thing. When they come to this word, they start this little paragraph on the phrase that the word sorcery comes from the same word pharmacy comes from. 
it's true. Pharmacy, the word for pharmacy is, is also the word for sorcery. And so they go into all these things as if, uh, uh, I don't know what they're supposed to make us do. Boycott Walgreens, I think. I don't know what to do with that, but they, they, uh, they, they do this kind of thing and, uh, they stress the fact that basically the concept of sorcery, especially in that setting, was to use mind-altering drugs to, to change your, your, not only your perspective of things, but even your resistance to things. And that, that's what it, it was used in an evil manner. We use medication today for great, wonderful things the Lord has provided for us in our day and age. So it's kind of hard to, to just go, you know, clean out the medicine cabinet and think that's going to get rid of sorcery. That's not what it is, all right? Just so you know, you pull it up in the commentary, you're going to read, well, that's what it is. So you're out there pitching the uh, aspirins and stuff. You don't know what to do. But uh, this is the idea of having the mind altered. Matter of fact, here's what I thought was interesting. If you ever look up words in the Latin, this is the word that venom comes from. A poisoning of the mind. See, when the mind is altered, or even when the mind is relaxed, it is open to all kinds of things. You want to test this? I'll show you how you can do it. You're not going to like it. Take your virus protector off your computer. You know what I'm going to say next? Don't. All right, don't listen to me. I mean, but it's the same concept. If you go off into the Internet and you have no firewall, if you have no virus protector, if you have no thing, you know how long that thing's going to run before it is just bogged down with so much junk? And then you're going to say, what's wrong with my computer? We have minds and they're precious things that the Lord has given to us. And if we allow anything to alter that, to make it relax, to, to open it up and make it seem free and ready to receive anything, anything will come. Anything will come. See, when there's very little resistance, we're no longer sober. We're no longer guarded. And whether it's real or whether it's imaginary, sorcery leads, leads to a communion with evil spirits. And that's ultimately where it's taking you. To communion with evil spirits. And they can deceive, and they can trap. And God's law expresses, expressively states that these practices, and those who practice them especially, were to be put to death. The Old Testament's full of that. The command was very clear. Matter of fact, if you want to see the greater picture, verse number 21 of Galatians 5, at the very end of it, this is what he adds. Those who practice such things, anything from what is lustful to that which is idolatrous in sin, they are not those who inherit the kingdom of heaven. Does that alarm you? It ought to. It ought to shake this up really well just to hear those words. See, I, I honestly believe that the issue of witchcraft is going to become more prominent in our culture the closer we get to the end. This is not something that's going to fade away. 
because even the characteristics of the tribulation society, which, praise the Lord, we will be here. But this is what it says. The rest of mankind, this is Revelation 9.20, in case you jot it down and want to read it later. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, so as not to worship demons and the idols of gold and of silver and of brass and of stone and of wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their immoralities, nor of their thefts. You know what? We just saw the whole list right there. The Galatians was. And this is a day yet to come. A day yet to come when the whole world will be caught up in this very practice. And this is on the list. You see, we call them godless. Godless in their grouping because they will lead us away from God. They will lead us away from God. We cannot walk the same path. We cannot walk the path of an idolatrous one or the path of a sorceress and walk the path of God. They don't walk even side by side. They're not in communion with each other. They're not in cooperation with each other. The Spirit is opposed to it. So He will not take you down this path. He will lead you away. You see, unless we're willing to walk by the Spirit, folks, then we are walking the way of the flesh. Because we cannot walk both at the same time. I know it's not a cheerful tour, is it? (laughs) There's no beauty here. When we look at these things, we see disease and decay and deceit. We see defilement. We see death. Not one. Read that list. Just look at it with your eyes. Which one of these things in verse 19, 20, or 21 says, Hey, look at me. I believe in Jesus. Not one. Not one. So there you are. Today, I introduced two tombstones to you. I don't want to leave you right here. Not standing here just looking at this stone. I want to take you to a passage I think is very important. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's go over there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse number 9. Watch what it says. I read it intentionally. It's God's word. I read it clearly. It's God's word. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. Is that clear? Straightforward, isn't it? Verse 11. Such were some of you. But. Oh, three very sweet letters. But. You were washed. 
You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the spirit of our God. We sang this morning about chains. And we sang about God's grace. And when we read this list in Galatians 5. Wow. The chains are very real. And they're heavy. And if you're reading through it and you're saying. Wow. He is really talking to my heart. That's the Holy Spirit showing you. Yes. Those chains are real. And it's very likely they might be wrapped around you somehow. That's why we have to finish with these thoughts. Jesus Christ is the one that washes and sanctifies and justifies. He sets us free from sin. That's what He's done. And that's why the appeal is before us. And I'm going to bring it every single week. We're not to walk by the flesh. That's true. But we are to walk by the Spirit. And He's calling us. He's wooing us. He wants us with Him. And look at what He does. Through the name of Jesus Christ, it's our Spirit who washes us and washes us and cleanses us, sanctifies us, justifies us, sets us in a right relationship with God, sets us on a right path for life. Isn't that where you want to be? Isn't that what you want to, where you want to walk? That's why I have to go this way with you. You see, we're not to be led like the world. We're to be like Christ. Education in these things will not keep you from sin. Walking by the Spirit will keep you from sin. You see the difference? And that's why I have to make the appeal. Because we can point all day long at the problem. But I know the solution. I know the Holy Spirit. Do you? That's where it's time to start examining the heart, right? Time to examine the heart. Are we walking with Him right now? Are we? I'm going to let you talk to the God about our God about that. All right, let's go before Him in prayer. Heavenly Father, you see many people here this morning, and yet you really see everybody here this morning. You see where they are with you. You know where they walk with you. You know the things that have captivated their heart. You know the things that press down so heavily upon them. You know the things that we do, Lord, so thoroughly. So we don't hide. We can't hide. It's impossible to hide from a God who sees everything. Perhaps right now it's to our advantage to remember those words. But when we come before you, we have to come in a genuine way. We cannot deceive you. We cannot somehow sugarcoat or, or paint over these things to make it appear that we stand before you in a holy manner, a righteous manner of our own doing. Too often, Lord, we apply so much makeup over the blemish. But you already know. And in that, Lord, there is a sense of relief. That when we come before you, not only do you know, but you love us. Even while we were yet sinners, you demonstrated that love for us. And you gave your Son who died for us. 
We stand like Adam and Eve hiding in the bushes. And you have just called us to come forward and walk with you. That's where we need to be today. And perhaps somebody today has been wrestling with something and it's time to let go of it, to trust you, to obey you, to walk with you as, as the Word says. Dear Holy Spirit, pull them along. Help them. Where correction is needed, where comfort is needed, certainly we all need to be conformed to the image of Christ. And we appeal to you today. Do your great and mighty work in our hearts. Where these things apply that we've talked about today, make it very evident so that we will see where we are. Draw us, we pray. Draw us to yourself. We ask today in Jesus' name. Amen.